Quiz, that song we all know and love. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo, meine Lieben. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick out articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. I certainly don't do this alone, and as always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing this Saturday night? All good things come to an end, Richard, and the Schalke streak ends at six matches won. I'm pretty salty that we didn't get to seven because I was looking forward to an excuse to throwing in the uh, the theme from the Magnificent Seven, which is the greatest <laughs> score of any Western of all time. Don't at me. Um, uh, but, hey, you know, it was a great match. Certainly lived up to the billing as top spiel. Um, you know, it was, it was a, it was a good, good moment for, for Hamburg. It's disappointing that it came at our expense, but I think anybody who tuned in got their, got their money's worth today. Yeah, certainly, and certainly, uh, it's a it's it's amazing thing to see. I mean, it's it's probably because this is the Bundesliga, but uh, Hamburg, who's sitting you know 18th place, uh, worst team in the league, and they had 54,000 people in attendance. That's uh, you don't see that in other leagues, really. You don't, uh, and the fans were out in full voice, um, as you said. Yeah, they had what they had 18 points, was it, or 19 points going into this match, and. Schalke had uh, accumulated 18 points from their previous six matches, <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. Um, and then, yeah, you know, go figure. We, we're, not, we're not able to do it against the worst team in the league, but, um, you know, credit to them. And, yeah, it was a great atmosphere there. All right, so on, the, on this one, in this podcast, on the rundown, uh, we're going to talk, obviously, about the game against Hamburg. And then we're going to get into, uh, since it's Dortmund week officially, uh, we will talk a preview on Dortmund. Let's take it away. So in this one, uh, we would face see the last place team in the Bundesliga, as we as we mentioned, uh, Hamburg. Um, Hamburg are on a 15 game. We're coming into this one. They were on a 15 game winless streak. Uh, on the flip side, Schalke were looking for their seventh win in a row. You know, coming off six wins in a row, uh, including five consecutive shutouts. Um, from the beginning on the outside, you mean streaks. I hate when they keep mentioning streaks because. Uh, whenever, whenever say, whenever announcers mention, you know, hey, this streak hasn't happened, this streak is da 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 da, uh, it's bound to come to an end, right? And so they kept harping on Schalke's undefeated. Hamburg has a one in fifteen games. So you, from the onset, you're like, okay, this is not. Let's stop talking about it because uh, this is gonna not end well for Schalke to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we were a little bit worried about this one going into it. Uh, I think we were probably due for a poorer performance. Um, or, you know, a result that wasn't a win given the crazy streak that we've been on. Um, and, uh, you know, with the, with the Dortmund match coming up and also, you know, a, a semifinal, the DFB Pokal, you know, there's the, p- the possibility that you're not taking this one as seriously. And I'm not saying that was the case. Um, cause I, you know, I'd like, I think Tedesco probably does a pretty good job generally of getting the boys prepared, but yeah, you know, anytime you come in on a streak this big, uh, for some reason, the psych- just psychologically, it makes you more nervous about it. I don't know why. Yeah, and uh, so speaking of Hamburg and their, and their, their winning less ways, uh, 
you know, there were eight points from safety coming into this match. Um, no club in uh, Bundesliga history has ever, you know, overcome that that kind of gap. Um, and you know, Hamburg have are one of the historic teams. They're the only team in Bundesliga history to never been uh, relegated. There've been 55 consecutive years, trying to go 56, but it doesn't look quite likely. Um, so let's get into the lineups in this one. And first off, uh, the manager for for Hamburg, man, this guy's the tits, and uh, it's not just because his name is Christian Tits. Uh, what a great name there, Jack. <laughs> way, way to take the easy joke. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do it. Go. Take the easy ones when I can. <laughs> it is a great name. It is a great name. Uh, so to uh, to the rest of the team, to the Hamburg, this show's really off the rails. Um, to the Hamburg lineup uh, in goal, Pollersbeck. Uh, you may think he's Neuer by the way he plays, uh, but we'll get to that. Um, in defense, you had Sakai, Papadopoulos. Shaka fans remember him. Yes. Van Dronchelen, uh, Douglas Santos, Kostic, Aaron Hunt is a very familiar name in the Bundesliga. Um, Steinman, Louis Holtby, another name Shaka fans will know. Uh, Japanese international Ito and Waldschmidt up in front. Um, someone on the bench who uh, we know was very dangerous, who played against us and did you know, tormented us in the first time we played in the season. Um, Jan Fita Arp, uh, he was on the bench in this one. So it's, uh, at that, at least for that respect, uh, it was good to see him there because uh, he did he did pose a lot of danger for us and and uh, first time we played them. Yeah, he did. And then yeah, as you say, there's a couple former Schalke players in this lineup. Um, I, I, for some reason, always have a soft spot in my heart for Papadopoulos. I loved that guy when he played for us, and uh, he's had so many durability issues um, you know, throughout his career, and if it weren't for those, I think he'd probably be on a little bit bigger of a club than, than Hamburg, but um, yeah, he, he and Holtby, and it's a little uh, reunion. Um, didn't end up being the happiest of reunions for us, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, for, for the Shaka lineup, uh, a pretty standard lineup. Farman in net, Stambouli, Naldo, and Nastasic in the back. Carrer, Goretzka, Meyer, Harit, Kalajiri. A little twist there. And then up top, you had Bergstaller and Mbolo. Uh, what would you make about this uh, Carrer and Stambouli both playing at the same time? Yeah, so that was the one twist. Usually it's it's one or the other. Um, and then the other interesting thing was that Caligari was playing kind of, uh, at least on paper, when when the lineups came out, he was he was he on, the left. Be on the left. And usually when that happens, it means that, you know, uh, Schupf is in the lineup on the right side because otherwise Caligari is normally there. So it looked like Kara was playing um, wingback sort of, uh, which is something we haven't really seen him do this year to my knowledge, maybe once or twice at some point during a match, but I don't think he's ever really started in that kind of position. So, um, but Franco DeSanto on the bench, love to see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Bolo and Burstaller, who I think are definitely our two best attacking options up front. And then you have, um, you know, he manages to get Harit Goretzka and Meyer all on the pitch at the same time, which on paper, at least you, you would like. Absolutely. Um, and then, so because those guys were all starting in this one on the bench, we had Nubel, McKinney, DeSanto, uh, Benteleb, Konoplyanka, Piazza, and Schopf. All right, so um, if Schalke were to get their seventh win in this one, it would be a new club record. Um, but, you know, it's kind of what we expected. Hamburg, they started on the front foot on this one. Um, they were pressing a lot, and uh, it seemed that all of Schalke's passes uh, – we're missing, we're missing like completely, and going right to the Hamburg players. Um, I, I guess that's just a, that was a, the, the mentality tits and the team were going for um, is the high press and is trying to throw, shock off the game because I guess it's something they've seen early in the season, you know, with uh, with Leipzig or or Bayern 
Um, and it, it was working for them early for Hamburg, that is. Yeah, Titson Company came out flying and uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> really, we're, we're five years old. Um, really, really put Schalke under a lot of pressure. I think they did a great job really throughout the match of kind of disrupting um, the midfield rhythm. Uh, which we usually do a very good job of, of maintaining, especially when Max Meyer's on the pitch. Um, and I think they definitely won kind of the battle in the center of the park, and um, they did a good job getting wide and, and stretching us out and and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a good I think plan of attack from them off the bat, and um, I don't know. I think against a team like this when they're at bottom of the table, um, Schalke probably should have done a better job trying to get on the front foot early. Um, you know, they think they gave him too much respect to some extent, but so is that the first time we've seen this where uh, a team will press us high and, and play on the wings like like Hamburg were doing? Um, this is obviously a weakness in the Tedesco armor. What is what can Schalke learn from this um, and other teams doing this to stop this prevent you know from you know Dorman doing this or or Eintracht doing this later on, um, you know, or even Bayern in the final if you get that far. Uh, it's it's obviously something that's the team is struggling with, and and they got to find a way to break, I guess, break the press and go. So, any ways that you can you can think of that that can help maybe alleviate some of this pressure that the opposition is putting on them. I mean, we've seen this from a number of teams against us at certain points in the season, and a lot of times, uh, part of that high press um, is in conjunction with kind of trapping Meyer. Or something, um, and, it, and that can disrupt us. But at least when that happens, you know we should have a numbers advantage elsewhere. Um, I'm not really sure that was as much the case today, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't have all the answers on this. I I'm not you know a, a tactical master or anything, but um, I mean it, it certainly was disruptive and it certainly worked. And um, I mean I I'm not really as worried about that with a team like Bayern or something because I think we probably have bigger concerns. Um, at least in terms of trying to stop yeah. <laughs> the offensive juggernaut that they are, I'm, I'm not really as worried about like in what they're doing in terms of a pressing game or anything. But um, yeah, it definitely threw us out of our rhythm today. That's for sure. Uh, so it was pretty much all Hamburg uh, in the opening minutes of this one, uh, and then finally in the eighth minute, Schalke finally get, it seems like they finally crossed the midfield line, uh, and then and Papadopoulos gets a yellow card for like a forearm shiver on Embolo. So we finally get you know in the opposition half, we get a free kick. Um, on the assuming, uh, he was ins- complaining about that too. Yeah, like come Which, on, dude, it, really? was a, it was a blatant foul. Like he, yeah, he just, I mean, Im- it was a wrestling was, move. Yeah, and Bola was about to go by him, and he like just decked him, and then he was like, "Why did you stop play?" Was, yeah, anyway, he's <laughs> he's that kind of guy. That was why we love him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and on the ensuing free kick, um, Caligiri, of course, he's a he's a great great crosser of the ball. He crosses it in, and who else scores? Naldo scores. Uh, First shot on goal for Schalke, and they get a goal. And uh, it was funny because the announcers were talking about it, like, "Oh, yeah. the one man you want to mark on this one is Naldo." Blah, 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 and he's got so many goals, and then boom, scores again. Like, "Oh, yeah, see, we told you, we told you, he's gonna score." <laughs> uh, but good for Naldo. He's just, he gets those balls every freaking time. Yeah, I mean, as as you said, right as that play was uh, was setting up, the announcers were talking about how Schalke scored, you know, twenty goals from set pieces, and Naldo scored four with his head. And then, wouldn't you know it? That's exactly what happens mere seconds later. So. Um, he continues to come up big for us, both of those players, really, because Caligari, what is that, his seventh assist maybe on the season? Something like that. Um, yeah, I think it is. He's been phenomenal, and Naldo's been phenomenal, obviously, on the offensive end for us. So, uh, 
I mean, some, something we've seen before, uh, not a surprise, but it's always nice when it happens, particularly um, because the first 10 minutes of that, we were not looking very good, and that kind of came against the run of play to some extent, and that um, was, <laughs> was, was welcome to see because uh, I was kind of worried about things and we kind of like, you know, snagged a cheap goal off of uh, a foul, which is something we uh, we do quite well, whether it's her read or whoever that's drawing those this time. It was just Papadopoulos taking somebody out for no reason. But um, yeah, that was a great start. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was absolutely a great start. Um, and, you know, as worried, as worried as we were, you know, at the, at the start of the game, that goal is a way to make us feel a lot better about the game. I'm sure it makes the players feel a lot better. Um but then Hamburg seemed to put the foot back onto the onto the gas pedal and continue to push up. Uh, I noticed that um, I made references earlier that Polarsbeck was kind of playing like Neuer, and he's playing like a little bit of a sweeper keeper kind of uh, play. He was near the midfield line a good part of the game. Um, he's not Neuer, obviously, uh, but I guess this is something uh, Christian Titz is trying to implement into the team. It's six games to go. I mean, I know the announcers made reference to this that you know you don't want to try something like this with six games to go, but Hey, uh, why not? Yeah, most of the season you've sucked. Try something different. Maybe you'll get a better result. And they did. Hamburg have nothing to lose, as you said earlier. Uh, no one's ever come back from the position that they are in to avoid relegation. Um, and also, they've never been relegated. So something has to give here, clearly, um, with, with those two stats. And you might, I mean, you might as well. You have nothing to lose at this point. I mean, shake it up. See what else you can do that maybe you know, gives you a spark or gives the team a different look and helps you gain the advantage in a match. Uh, people and and they were criticizing Polarsbeck for being up so high and stuff like that. Um, I say why not? If, he, if the guy, if the kid can pass, why not? Uh, there's a lot of excellent goalkeepers in this world that do not have the passing ability that Polarsbeck has. So take advantage of it. You know, um, he can only get better from from doing this and become a better player. So, um, but speaking of goaltenders, um, Ralph Fairman, 11 clean sheets on the season coming into this one, five in the last five games, and he's actually tied with Ulrich uh, for the lead in the Bundesliga. Um, just one ahead of Berkey, I believe, at, at Dortmund. So uh, you were correct uh, with your stats the, the other week, uh, and um, <laughs> Fireman continues to be in first place so far this weekend. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's a great season he's having, and, and the team had been playing so well uh, defensively in front of him, and it shows five five shutouts in the last five games. So uh, big big ups for him, definitely. Yeah, unfortunately, that was not to continue for us, though, as uh, things got pretty hairy just a couple minutes later. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's funny because uh, the five clean sheets in a row by Farman uh, is not the record. Actually, Lehman had six in a row about 20 years ago or so, but uh, um, let's move on from that. Uh, through the first 15 minutes, we saw we said that Hamburg was dominating this match. Uh, it was pretty much like 65 35% um, possession for, you know, for Hamburg. And shots were four to one, but it seemed like they had more opportunities than that. Um, but then in the fifteenth minute, all that pressure would finally pay off. Uh, there was a long throw-in by Douglas Santos, and uh, Kostic beats out Caligiri to the ball and scores with a header and one of the most strangest goals you'll see. Uh, I mean, it was a long, long throw-in with McKenney's known for doing, um, and it bounced in the box. I don't know, it went through everyone, through Ronaldo and everything, and. Yeah, Kostic got it before Caligiri. That's uh, that's a head scratcher. That's a, have you seen something like that before? I don't know what to say about this. It was easily, I think, the cheapest goal Schalke has conceded all season. Um, as you said, it's it's a long throw in from the side. It's, um, it looked comical. It looked comical. I mean, yeah, he just throws it directly into uh, Fairman's box, 
the goalkeeper box specifically. Um, and yeah, Naldo just kind of watches this go over his head. Stambouli's on the post, I think, and he he watches it. And Fairman inexplicably doesn't. I don't know if he's expecting Naldo to get it, but you know he's usually quite good at, at being commanding in the air and just going up and grabbing stuff and kind of making those executive decisions. And he just watched it come in too. And this ball gets all the way into the box and bounces without anybody hitting it. And then, as you said, Kostic just comes flying in and heads it home. Um, it's, I mean, Nastasic was there as well. Nastasic was watching it. There was at least three three Shaka players that yeah. could have gotten to this thing, and they all just kind of stood there looking at each other like, I thought you were going to get it. And, uh, I mean, just like that, uh, you know, you lose the advantage that you had gained, and, and, you know, you didn't even really make Hamburg earn it, which was pretty frustrating. Yeah, and uh, like you said, you expect, at least at that play, if anybody – fireman to go after the ball and at least attempt to punch it away and he didn't even do that and it, it like he looked like looked like he wasn't even ready for that and uh yeah it was just a very very odd play and that you know that just gave hamburg more confidence um they continued the high press you know after the goal shaka was, was causing shaka all kinds of problems um and then just four minutes later a very similar play happens another throw in to the goal um, ball bounces again in the box, and Hamburg nearly scored again. Um, clearly, this is something uh, they're going to have to work on in practice because uh, two times they're basically almost two for two. I mean, two times the ball bounced in the box off off a throw in. That's uh, unacceptable. Yeah, this is another one that comes in. Did it come into Hunt? I forget who it comes into, but um, yeah, it's, I think another, it was Hunt. it's another throw in from almost the exact same position. Um, I think Hunt just doesn't quite get to it. It ends up bouncing off of Naldo's shin. He can't really clear it. And then it's a, it's kind of a loose ball in the air uh, right by the post, and Waldschmidt comes flying in. And uh, I think – did Fairman have to say – I think Fairman had to save that. He almost gets a header in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Waldschmidt almost scored on several different occasions and ultimately couldn't find the back of the net. But um, – there are a lot of, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about this later too. But so many like fifty fifty balls where there's a lot of Schalke players just not getting to them first, um, ball watching that sort of thing, and that's pretty uncharacteristic for this side. I think that's part of the reason we've been as good as we have is, yeah. um, you know, it, it's it's the hustle plays, it's the little things that, um, you know, getting there first and, and shutting something down before you allow you know an opponent to get to it a dangerous area, and we just did not have that in us today for whatever reason. Yeah, and uh, Hamburg certainly looked the hungrier of the teams uh, in this one. And like I said, this is that's just usually a staple of Tedesco's teams is be the hungrier team. They may not look the best, but they will work the hardest uh, to get the balls. And and in this game, that wasn't the case whatsoever. So uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about that other than what you said. You pretty much summed it up, right? Um, so moving on, uh, uh, there's a play I want to talk about. And there's a couple, there's a couple plays in this game, but this play in particular kind of irked me. Uh, it was around the 22nd minute or so. Uh, the goal scorer for Hamburg, Kostic, uh, there's a loose ball in the air, and both he and Meyer go for the ball. Uh, Kostic outjumps uh, Meyer, but intentionally, and I'm going to say intentionally, um, with his studs, goes after uh, Max Meyer's wrist. Uh, did you catch that, Jack? So this was pretty crazy, honestly, that because it, it happened right in front of the referee, too. Yeah, that's and, the crazy and, part. And, and nothing was called. Um, once again, another sort of 50-50 ball up in the air. Um, Meyer's going into it. Kostic is going into it. And uh, Kostic, it's, it's going to be a play where you're going to have to use your head because that's kind of where the ball is in the air by the time both players are coming into it. Kostic jumps, but he, he karate kicks Meyer kind of in the arm and in his, in his hip area. Um, it's definitely intentional, I think. Uh, um, and if it isn't, 
you have to ask why his leg is even in that position. But um, it, it easily should have been a yellow card. Um, and no card was given. You could make the argument that it could have been a red. I think that maybe might have been a little bit harsh. But you know, I mean, you've seen you've seen that given before. I mean, this is like a really random throwback. But you want to talk about you know the Nani red card in the Champions League against Real Madrid yeah, a number of yeah. years ago, where he literally is just you know tracking a ball with his eyes, doesn't see the defender coming in and gets sent off for you know a high boot that was completely unintentional. This was more intentional than that, and, and nothing's called at all. And it, it was a strange play. Um, and you know, it, I don't know what the ref was doing there. He was right in front of him. Yeah, that should have been a red card at the at the least. Uh, it was definitely intention in, in that one, but uh, no one saw it. I, I mean, I even in a lot of time, I didn't see when it first happened. I saw Meyer go down. I'm like, what the hell he go down for? And then they showed a replay. I'm like, holy shit! I didn't I did not see that. That was clearly intent. you can see the look in his eyes, looking right at his wrist or whatever he's going for, and takes a kick. Uh, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> um, so. In this game, Hamburg were definitely playing inspired. Uh, they looked far from a bottom bottom of the table type team. Now, my question is to you: is um, is that because you know they were trying to avoid relegation, or is this more had to do with you know how the way Schalke were playing and making them look better than they actually were? Schalke certainly didn't have a good game today, but um, I mean, I think a lot of that was the Hamburg team. They, I mean, the fa- first of all, the fans were phenomenal. The fans were. Top notch, um, top notch. I mean, 100 percent behind their team from the opening whistle and even before that. Um, and you know, the the Hamburg team came out um, hungry, and like I said, they were they were winning those 50 50 balls. They were, you know, full of energy. Um, you can see as the goals were coming in, you know, that everyone on you know on the sidelines was was you know freaking out about it. I mean, it was they they were it seemed like they were playing for each other and they were together. And you know, they've been pretty brutal this season, but you wouldn't have necessarily known it looking at them today. And they they certainly look like a team that's not going to lie down and just accept relegation. They're going to fight this uh, to the very end. So I, I think today was probably more about Hamburg than Schalke. I mean, Schalke didn't play well, but they've won six in a row. You're going to have, you know, a shaky game, you know, every now and then. and, and even Every week? In, every week? Yeah, and, <laughs> and even in this shaky game, Schalke, you know, still put a couple past them. So it wasn't like they, you know, they didn't offer anything at all. Right. So, um, yeah, it, for me, it's just I just tip my hats to Hamburg. My hat's plural. Apparently, I have multiple hats. Very nice. I like, a man of many hats. I like it. Uh, so halftime, they would go, and it would go 1-1. One, one. Um, overall assessment of the first half, obviously, um, it was, uh, wasn't quite up to the standards that we are used to with Schalke. Like you said, give credit to, to Hamburg. They came out on the front foot, uh, and they continued even after they scored. Uh, but Schalke were, were a little too passive in this one, and uh, certainly Tedesco had his hands full going into halftime. Um, you know, you get the early goal and you expect to, you know, go into the halftime with no goals allowed and, and they get a, a goal almost immediately, it seemed like, several minutes later. Um, so uh, they had to tighten it up because especially like their passing was, was horrendous in this one, I thought. It seemed it, it, they, ver- they barely strung two, three passes together. Uh, it'd be a pass and then an interception or pass it directly to a turnover, cause a turnover and then Hamburg would go. Um, how would you grade the first half? Yeah, I mean, very similarly, and that's what I talked about earlier, is that, that we did not have any sort of rhythm in the midfield and that sort of, um, you know, that, that secondary component where you're trying to advance into the final third. We struggled to string passes together to do that, um, and I think that's partially maybe what, what led to Tedesco making a couple couple different substitutions at halftime, which is, um, I think, a little bit unusual to do a double sub at the half, but that's what he ended up doing. Yeah, and those uh, subs that came on, uh, Di Santo came on for Embolo and Weston McKinney for Max Meyer. 
um, those substitutions didn't really help anything because uh, Hamburg picked up in the second half right where they left off. Uh, in the 49th minute, uh, the Japanese international Sakai, uh, he had a shot that just missed it by inches uh, on the far post against Farman. Uh, that was a big warning shot for Schalke. They had to wake up. If they didn't see that, well, they, they paid for it because two minutes later, uh, the other Japanese international, Ito, again, causing havoc. This guy was just, uh, this guy was a 10 in this game, in my opinion, uh, causing havoc. Uh, he he fakes out Caligiri, fakes out completely Goretzka. I think Goretzka ended up being in freaking the corner outside the, out of the out of, off the field because he shook him so bad. Um, then crossing the ball and Hopi, uh, Lewis Hopi attempted a back heel that was blocked by Fireman with the ball bounced up and then he gets to the ball before, I think it was Nastasic, gets the goal. Um, <laughs> and then this guy, uh, he goes and celebrates against his former team. You know, because there's no Fuchs given, and I'm talking about Christian Fuchs, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, he was celebrating. I was, I was curious to see if he had scored, how he'd react, and he clearly didn't care. He was just, uh, I scored. He was just running around the whole pitch. First of all, uh, both of the plays that you just mentioned, both the Sakai, the Sakai shot, and then ultimately Holtby goal. Once again, loose balls, fifty-fifty balls that kind of pop up in the air, and it's Hamburg who gets to him first. And they just, they just had that in them today for whatever reason. That I think that really contributed to this. Loss. I mean, obviously, there's more to it than that, but it just kind of seemed you. to be a disappointing recurring theme in this one. But as far as Ito goes, I mean, the the kid was electric today. I, I completely agree with you. He 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 had a number of moments in this match that were just super impressive. This being one of them, he comes in on the left hand side, blows by Caligari like it's nothing. Goretzka comes sliding in to try to stop him, and he just kind of holds his run, and Goretzka goes flying by him. Um, and then he he plays this ball into Holpi, who, as you said, tries to do a little uh, clever back heel, gets blocked and knocked up in the air, and then it's it's Holpi who reacts to it first. Um, you know, he he's able to kind of I think it was off of his chest. It was kind of a janky finish, but um, yeah, two one to Hamburg. Uh, I mean, kind of a dirty goal in the end, but Ito set it up brilliantly, and it was I mean I think just from that aspect of it, they probably deserved it because that was. Gorgeous, and then uh, yeah, Holpi did celebrate. I think we were talking last week about how we we appreciated that Caliguri yeah, exactly. didn't celebrate against his former team. Apparently, uh, no such feelings from Lewis Holpi, which was interesting to see. But I mean, you know, they're in the middle of a relegation fight. Um, I mean, I'm sure that that moment meant a lot to him. I can't blame him for that too much. I mean, the crowd went nuts when he scored, and uh, so I could see, I can kind of see, but. Yeah, still, you know, sometimes you know, especially when it's against you, you want him to be classy, but whatever. It was a good, it was a good play ultimately by by Ito and by Hamburg. So uh, yeah, wa- if you haven't seen this goal, watch it if you get a chance. It's poetry in motion. Ito is just brilliant on this play. Absolutely. Um, so you know, when when we always say when when a goal is scored, we want to see what the reaction is going to be by the team who scored and the team who gets scored against. Uh, and this one, Hamburg, they kept pushing after that goal. Uh, they nearly got a third uh, when Aaron Hunt, um, he blasted a shot that, you know, Farman had trouble, made a save, but the, the rebound ended up going to Waldschmidt, who had an empty net, basically, and he ended up sailing it over the uh, over the goal with, in a point-blank opportunity. Um, that was, uh, I, was I, I thought that was going in. I was like, geez, really? It's just coming off the rails here, but uh, luckily it had sailed over, but... Uh, yeah, Hamburg weren't uh, weren't intent with just two goals, and they kept trying to push more. And that's uh, that's how you want to see any team play, really. We we harp on this all the time when Schalke scores, keep getting more because one is not enough. Um, and they don't they tend to just drop back in the in those most scenarios. And Hamburg, they just kept going. I know I'm a broken record at this point, but even on that play, um, Nastasic is in no man's land and is ball watching. And when when Fairman makes that save and the ball kind of bounces out, he just he doesn't. 
even remotely try to go for it or get in the way um, of of the shot that ends up coming in. Um, it's just it's just kind of a lack of of awareness and not having your head on a swivel and um, you know being reactive rather than um, proactive in a lot of these plays. And uh, I thought, I mean, as as you did, I thought that was a goal for sure. Volchman is sort of trailing this play and. It falls directly to him, and he just blasts it over. I don't know how he missed. He, I think he, he started celebrating before he shot. Yeah, he had 75% of that goal available at least, and he didn't even need to hit it with any sort of pace. He could have just kind of like done a Tap little it. dink, and instead yeah. it just winds up for a half volley or something and, and misses it. But that could have iced it right there. Yeah, and... Uh... <sighs> Yeah, I, you know, you may like you said, you may sound like a broken record, but it's true that the the team, mostly the defense, was sixes and sevens defensively. No one was doing what they're supposed to. No one was marking anybody. But everyone was just ball watching, uh, making unnecessary passing attempts, and uh, that's why that's why Hamburg scored. They were they, you know they were clinical on our mistakes, and you know had this been uh, just look what happened to Dirk Classic, or you know you have a team like Bayern who is clinical and they're gonna they're gonna really punish you. So you got a bottom, even a bottom team, uh, it will will punish you. Maybe not you know to the extent like the Bayern did, but um, every team is dangerous when you make mistakes. So you that's you know that's the key to to minimize your mistakes and gives your team the best opportunity to win. Um, so after that goal, I think it kind of woke up the team. And I'm gonna throw go on a limb, and before people start taking my head off, uh, listen to what I'm saying, nerd. So I think Schalke played maybe their best ball attacking wise of the season after that after the 10 by Volchmit. Uh, for the next maybe five minutes, they were just relentlessly going for the goal. At this point, they were like all out, making beautiful pass, making beautiful plays. Harit was just taking over. It seemed um, they were looking as good as I, I'd want them to see all season. You know, all season you hope to see some kind of resemblance resemblance of a of an attack. And in at least five minutes, they did. And uh, well, it, they, it was so direct, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, and that's what we, I think we were crying out for watching this match. Just, just run at somebody. I mean, it, so many, so many times. I mean, Schalke does have a very good possession game generally. Obviously, not today, but so many times they just kind of like you know dance around and, and they look kind of toothless and they're not really doing a whole lot. And and as you said, this couple minute period after that. Hopey goal. They just were like, "All right, we're going balls to the wall here," and and it was it was great. I mean, it, they put Hamburg under a ton of pressure. I almost wish they played us all the time and just, just just to see what the potential is, what the potential was or is. Um, and, and it all paid off because uh, in the second sixty second minute um, of Kara, what's up with these throw-ins in these games? Um, yeah, seriously. Kara throws it throws it into McKenney, who makes a. A nice seam splitting pass to Goretzka, who was behind the defense at this point. Uh, he tries to poke it past Polersbeck, who makes a save. It bounces around, I think, off to him, off the defender, off of Goretzka, and then right to Bergstaller, who ends up tying it 2-2. At this point, Jack, I'm thinking, all right, we got this win. We're attacking directly. We get this goal. We got this win. Uh, how are you feeling that play? The minutes leading up to that goal, and then once the goal was scored. Yeah, well, this one was definitely not as against the run of play as the first one because, you know, this, this looked like it had been coming for a couple minutes. Um, but even so, the particular play that it came off of was strange. When, when this ball comes into McKenney from the Kara throw, he actually uh, takes a poor touch um, that causes him to kind of spin towards the middle of the park because yeah. um, he, he did not control it well. But when he does that, he sees Goretzka making this very direct run right in the center, and then McKenney plays, you know, it's a... Great piece of recovery after that poor touch. Plays a beautiful ball right through the heart of the defense. Um, 
that Gretzky gets onto, but he's kind of getting pulled down by two different defenders as he's trying to get this shot off. I think he loses his balance and, um, you know, kind of whiffs on it. But, you know, Berkstauer's trail on the play uh, does what a poacher does. And, he you know, he gets to the loose ball and, and makes no mistake about it. And it's, it's 2-2 um, at that point. And uh, I, I was very much, you know, of your opinion. I, I thought that things were suddenly looking a lot up. We, we suddenly woke up in this game and got that second goal back. And I thought we were probably going to go on and win it at that point. Now, clearly, uh, Bergstaller was amped up with this goal because uh, that adrenaline continued for the next several minutes. Um, there was a play coming down where Caligiri was going one-on-one uh, against Douglas Santos. Flies by him. Douglas Santos, with uh, good tracking speed, catches up to him, fouls him pretty hard, it seems like. Uh, and then one of the Hamburg players picks it up, goes down the pitch, and then you see all you see is Bergstaller beeline it right across. The, you just see him come across the TV screen, and you're like, he's going to take this guy out, isn't he? Boom, freight trains the, the, the Hamburg player, gets a yellow, and then he complains about, you know, why wasn't the Calgary play a yellow? Um, I, I saw this coming. I, I knew it was going to end bad. Luckily, luckily, it was only a yellow, Jack. Yeah. Um, it's funny. When, when Bergstaller uh, get, get, receives the yellow card, he pops up and starts complaining. And, yeah, it's not about him getting a yellow card. It's, he's complaining about why the previous uh, tackle on Calgary was not called a foul. When, when, when I saw that live... I thought it was definitely a foul. Um, they didn't really show a slow motion replay of it, uh, so it, it maybe it's possible that he won the ball. And maybe it was the correct call. A lot of the Schalke players seemed to disagree with that, and that was certainly my impression live. But um, yeah, it was definitely an, an aggression play from Bergstaller. Uh, he, he it's a two hand shove to the back, and obviously a deserved yellow card. Yeah, um, I don't really know why he did that though. He, I mean, he had just scored. We had gotten back into the match, and then that was just kind of a, a stupid play for him. I don't even think it was really necessary because he wasn't stopping that dangerous of a break or anything. But uh, Tempers uh, started a flare for sure. There was a play, I think, just a couple minutes later, too, where um, – which defender was it? I forget. But uh, was trying to get on the end of a header, and he kind of flies into Fairman, who had was clearly going to win that ball, and Fairman yeah, was pissed yeah. about that, too. And he got chippy from here on out. When I saw Bergseller coming after that player – I had flashbacks, and this may be too young for you, but uh, flashbacks to Eric Cantona days uh, with United yeah. when he goes into the crowd and, and karate kicks the fan. I thought he was going to do something silly like that. Luckily, it was just a two-hand shove. But, well, that was uh, more like Kostic in the first half on mine, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, luckily, he was just a shove. And he got, I mean, he got, he got his point across, I think. Well, at least to us, he got his point across. Well, you um, know what they say. When, when the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they you know, think sardines will be thrown into the sea. And I think that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Uh-oh. Yeah. (laughs) Very nice. So poetic. Um, So a few minutes later, uh, you know, Shaka continued this direct play. Um, Amin Harit, I guess, was having a really, he was enjoying life at this moment. Um, He had a a really brilliant play to spring Goretzka on a semi breakaway, really. And so Goretzka, one on one with the goalie. The goalie's coming out. uh, Polarsbeck's coming out outside the box, trying to to beat him to the ball. Uh, He goes for an audacious chip. Uh, and I say audacious because it ended up in like the 50th row. Um, it wasn't, we've seen Goretzka do this kind of chip before and it's worked, uh, but it did not in this play. And then when he missed that goal, I said, I had just had a panic feeling like this is going to come back to bite us, Jack. Uh, you know, great opportunity there and at least to get it on goal. And he did not do that. Um, yeah, I get it. He's going for the, the, the magic play because Polarsbeck forced him to do that. Uh, but I, I had a bad feeling when he missed that. No, okay, I'm not going to let him off the hook. Polish Beck did not force him to do that. First of all, Goretzka is a huge <laughs> is, is a huge fan. I'm of trying the to chip. be nice here, right? No. I'm not trying to be nice. You know this. I've been I've been really annoyed with Goretzka the entire second half of the season. Really, um, 
I don't think he's been good enough. Plain and simple. For for a player that's supposed to be and that was this, a prime this, example. This generational talent and this huge difference maker. He's been so anonymous in so many matches. Um, I think he had a, a decent game today, better than you know how he's played recently. Um, but this is this is a stupid play. It's stupid. He has Bergstaller making a parallel run who is wide open. Yeah. Um, and, and if he like you know takes a couple more steps with that ball and then. You know, he's either gonna he's either gonna force um, you know uh, pulls back to to uh, you know cover you know uh, the, the angle for Bergstahl, or he's gonna force him to cover the angle for him, and one of those two guys is probably gonna get a really good shot off. And um, I mean, it was a great piece of build up. It, it's is you know kind of a give and go a couple different times between Goretzka and Harit. Um, we've seen Harit do this all season, how dangerous he is in transition, and you know Goretzka has a good motor when he gets going, but you know he this pass that Harit plays. Springs Gretzka and he he has the better of the only remaining defender and and it's kind of like a two on one with the last defender Bergstahl there is no one within ten yards of Guido Bergstahl you you, ha- you have to do something else with that and it was it was horrible execution it was way too cute um, you know if you if you have a two goal lead whatever if this is a tie game go for the high percentage play and yes. that, I mean I'm I'm being a little bit too hard on him probably but um, that I. <sighs> That was one of those plays you're watching it develop, and you could feel the goal coming. It felt like that was going to be a play that was going to lead to it, and he just wasted the opportunity. My uh, my honest reaction when he missed a shot, I it was it was pretty pretty much what you said. You know, I'm like, really, you're going to do that with that with an opportunity like that? I was like, go ahead and leave the club. You're not doing anything. You're not contributing to the club at this point. You're you're trying to be too cheeky at times, going for the, you know the crazy shots, uh, and they're not working. Uh, you need to stop and get some results, you know, and you're not doing this. So if you're going to keep doing this kind of shenanigans, go. I'm ha- I'd be happy with you leaving. That's exactly what I felt when when it happened. Um, but also, uh, if you change your mind and want to stay, you can stay. Exactly. <laughs> Meyer too. You too, Max. We love you both. No, yeah, I feel you. I, he's he's been annoying me. I, I think he's been really, really subpar, at least for what he's capable of. And in the Rook Render here, and uh, I mean, this was just a great example of that. You know, Jack is annoyed when he doesn't even mention DeSanto for several weeks, is because this guy, you know. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, and so in the 75th minute, uh, we did have to make a substitution. Nastasic, uh, a couple minutes earlier, he had injured his leg, his knee, and he wasn't, you know, we weren't sure if he was, it was actually a bad injury or just uh, maybe a little bruise. But he did come off uh, limping, it seemed like, and uh, Bentaleb was brought in. So it was a positive substitution in that sense. It, it tells me that they're trying to go; for, they're still trying to go for a win at that point. Um, instead of bringing in another defender for Nastasic, they just they said, you know what? We already have three defenders out there still. Uh, put them all in the back and uh, bring up Bentaleb for the front. Yeah, exactly. Um, they had more defenders on the field than they would normally have anyway because they started both Stambouli and Kerr. So um, I, I don't think it was yet yeah, necessary to bring on a more defensive-minded player and. Um, I mean, and Bensalab is that in terms of a midfielder too. He's he's, he's got a decent, um, you know, defensive mind as well. So um, I wasn't particularly worried about it. The interesting move though was that the Schalke had been playing kind of a back four for a lot of the second half, which we haven't mentioned yet. But and I wonder um, if that was because that was intentional or that was care unfamiliar with the right wing position and kept dropping back too much. I don't know. Didn't I wasn't he, sure. Didn't he kind of switch to like left back at one point though? Yeah, he, would, him, and Kalajiri would switch intermittently, and uh, so I don't know if that was part of the plan or or what was going on there. I don't know how much of any of this contributed to the performance today, but there certainly seemed to be a lot of players that were put in strange positions relative to how they normally play, and, and maybe that kind of threw them off a little bit. I mean, I'm sure it's stuff that they've all worked on on the training ground before, but uh, we did see a couple looks from Schalke that we haven't really seen much this season. 
Yeah, uh, that's a very good point. Um, you know, when you're when you play in positions that you're not familiar with, uh, uh, you know, if you're playing a certain position for most of the season, uh, and then you get tasked to an- another position, you may not be familiar with all the nuances of w- what it takes to play that position, and and the rest of the team will follow, especially if several players are out of position. Um, Caligiuri has played both right and left wing this year, but Carer has mostly been on on the right back position, unless uh, early on the season he was playing the left. So he maybe wasn't familiar playing up in the wings, and so that can contribute to everything else that was going on in the game uh, with all the, the mishaps. Um, so that bad feeling that we had after Goretzka's miss uh, finally came to fruition in the 84th minute, uh, seemingly out of nothing, really. Um, uh, Bakari Yata uh, was on the right sideline, and he gives like, this innocent short pass to Aaron Hunt. Uh, he's in no man's land, really. No one closes in on him, though, and he so he brings it in about 10, 15 yards and just rifles off an unreal shot of a lifetime into the upper 90. I mean, all Farman could do at this point was just watch. Um, there's players, uh, several players to blame in the defense on this one. I'm not going to blame Farman on this one because I think that shot was just amazing. Uh, but the defense, they need to close on it on all kinds of players, uh, especially Aaron Hunt. I mean, Aaron Hunt doesn't always do, doesn't ever do this, uh, but you should not leave a Bundesliga player alone when they're semi close to the, to the goal. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this is something I've criticized Schalke for a lot over the last, even over this winning streak. You know, as good as our, as good as our defensive record has been, I think there's been a lot of plays where we haven't closed somebody down and they've been taking these shots from deep. And obviously, these are super low percentage shots, so they're not going to go in all that often. But um, this was this was kind of an example that Harit kind of closed him down to some extent. And to be fair, he wasn't even really on the edge of the box or anything. He, I mean, we he had. So many players in front of him, yeah. um, and I, I just don't think anyone expected it from that deep. And more, I mean, more than blame Schalke for this one, you just got to tip your hat to to Aaron. Oh, this, this is this shot. is an absolute worldie. That's goal um, of the weekend, I guarantee you. I mean, and just the looks on on the the, the Hamburg player uh, fans' faces. And they're like, what? I mean, not just because of you know the fact that that was an insane goal, and not the fact that you know it's an insane goal that won a match, but it's an insane goal that won a match that gave them hope to potentially stave off relegation. It was it was just a cool moment. I mean, I, I mean, and once again, for, from in my opinion, I don't think Schalke did anything particularly wrong on that play as you said it was an innocent pass to hunt and he takes a few steps he's so deep and it, it's just an absolutely unbelievable shot you know he's, he's moving to his left and then takes us on his left foot across his body to the right side and, and fairman can really only watch and you know christian tits loved it on the sideline and, and, and <laughs> everybody in the stadium did so um it's probably goal of the week no i guarantee, I guarantee it's gonna be goal of the week uh unless there's something crazy that i missed uh there had to be something special to beat that. Um, so usually, us fans we react we react in one of two ways when a goal happens like that end of a game against against your your, your team. Um, when take the Wolfsburg game early in the season, uh, for example, when they score, you're thinking, "What the f? Uh, how the heck you let them score? That's pathetic." In this case, though, you're like you just tip your hat, like you say, you're like, "That was a great goal." I mean, what what, what are you gonna be mad about? It was something that. Nobody in the world is going to stop. It was just a fantastic moment for that player and for the team uh, who scored that. So, hey, just hope you just hope that your team can try to come back one more time. But uh, yeah, you can't you can't be mad at that. I mean, real. if if that ends up being, let's just say that Hamburg somehow ends up pulling this off and avoids relegation. Let's say they they get into the relegation playoff spot rather than you know right. the, the the concrete relegation spot that they're in currently. Um, you're going to look back at that goal. 
Absolutely. as the goal that, that started that entire thing off. And it's going to be a, a, you know, a historic moment, not just for Hamburg, but from, you know, from Bundesliga storylines as well. So, um, yeah, they I might mean, erect a statue for him if they, if they escape <laughs> off from elimination. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's annoying from the Schalke perspective, but you know, we had a nice one of, uh, of six consecutive matches. And if, if that's how you're going to lose one, you know, whatever. Uh, so after that goal, uh, Naldo is basically a forward for the rest of the game, and he actually plays it pretty well. Um, he had two very good opportunities in the 90th minute, uh, or in stoppage time, I should say. Uh, one was a, a shot that missed wide, but he had a clear opportunity at a header, and then another one he was forced to save by uh, Polarsbeck. Uh, so I that thought a, that second one was going in. I did too, man. I was, did too. It was one of those ones that you know didn't have a lot of height on it, so it, you know it's a kind of a fast-moving ball, and um, Naldo didn't have to jump for it either, so he kind of hits it as he's running in stride, which just gives it even more power. And um, unfortunately, the placement wasn't what it needed to be. You know, Pollard's back didn't really have to to move too far, but uh, oh man, that would have been an absolute heartbreaking moment for the Hamburg fans if we had pulled that back. Uh, so that would have been so. Naldo has six goals on the year now, as I believe. I believe um, so. So cl- very close to seven there. Uh, but yeah, the game would end three to two, as close as as hard as Schalke pushed at the end. Uh, it was too little, too late. Um, I like you know I like the direct play they had in the in the after the uh, Hamburg goal or the Waldschmidt opportunity uh, for like a ten minute stretch. They were playing direct and playing very attractive football. Uh, but other than that, it was. Uh, Poor performance from a defensive standpoint where they weren't given enough. They weren't running to the balls. Uh, they weren't putting enough effort in this one, and Hamburg clearly wanted it more. Um, real quick, who, which player or players, or who do you think is the best player on the pitch in this one? Uh, game player, the, player of the game, or players of the game? Or obviously, it's going to come from Hamburg. So, yeah. Um... Ito deserves a shout out. Obviously, um, he was great. He kind of he kind of faded later in the match, but he made his his he made his mark for sure the first sixty minutes or so. Um, so I think he deserves a shout out. Paulersbeck was great. Um, even Waldschmidt had some really good moments. He didn't finish anything, but he looked dangerous. And right. you know, I mean, Hunt with that with that goal. So I, I don't know. Probably, I mean, you could make the argument for for Hunt or Ito. Probably that's why. I guess that's what I'd say. Uh, I'm gonna give my game ball or balls to uh, the Japanese internationals, Sakai, and especially Ito. I thought they were just uh, destroying Shaka, um, especially Ito. I mean, it, it seemed like he just couldn't be stopped and that he was doing whatever he wanted. Um, yeah, he where, did where, fade it. What's where's Uchida when you need him? Yeah, right? He's, uh, he's in the Union Berlin, isn't he? He could have canceled some of that out, I think. I know, right? <laughs> oh well but yeah Ito was his magic in, the, in, the, in that game most of the game not all of it he did fade at the end but um, then you know you said obviously uh, Aaron Hunt had you know, that fucking great goal and uh, uh, Polarsbeck was also played very well so yeah um, it is what it is uh, with that loss we still uh, just, no matter what happens this weekend as far as results Shaka will remain in second place because they had that four point gap going into this one um, hopefully uh uh, Stuttgart can pull up a, a surprise win uh, tomorrow and uh, stun Dortmund to keep that four-point gap there, uh, but we'll see. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's our take on the game. What, do you have any final final words on the uh, on the uh, on the game today? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm not too upset about it. I, I kind of had a feeling this might happen. 
Um, and, you know, it happened in pretty dramatic fashion, so at least it wasn't a boring match. I mean, that's all I can say. You know, good for them, good for Aaron Hunt, and hopefully it's the start of something for Hamburg. Um, it's going to make the end of the the season really interesting down there, um, particularly if uh, – is it, is, it, is, it, is it Mainz that's in? Uh, 16th right now? Yeah, I think so. Um, particularly if Mainz, you know. Cologne, it's, uh, Cologne is in last place in Hamburg, then Mainz is just above Hamburg, and then Wolfsburg's in, uh, just above them. So, yeah, because I think, I mean, did, did Mainz drop points today too? I think they did. Let's Regard, re- I mean, regardless, if, they, if drew, Mainz, they drew Cologne. Oh, okay. Um, if Mainz drops points next week and Hamburg pulls off some other kind of result, things are going to get really tight at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, you know, good for them. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. The top of the table and the bottom of the table is kind of interesting right now. So that's good for the Bundesliga because we all know that uh, <laughs> who's winning the league is not really a particularly interesting question at this point. Yeah, and they uh, they they wrapped up the title this weekend. Uh, anyway, so Shaka fans, we're not talking about that team anymore. Um, Shaka fans, give us your thoughts on uh, your thoughts and reactions to the game against Hamburg, the, the loss, the bitter loss. Uh, Tweet us at so4 underscore podcast on Twitter. All right, Jack, it is Dortmund week. Um, big, big game, big, big, uh, big time, not only for Shaka, but also for the, for the podcast. Um, I will be joining uh, the Yellow Wall podcast this week for the preview of the Dortmund, or for the Riviera Derby. Um, and then on uh, on the weekend after the game, uh, we're gonna have a a guest or two also to uh, talk about the Riviera Derby. So it's gonna be a a very Riviera Derby type of week for us. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of um, publicity, I guess you could say. I don't know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having um, you know you making a guest appearance elsewhere and us having somebody join us on the podcast. That's always good. Um, hopefully, we have a a match that is exciting, similar to. Uh, the one that took place in the first half of the season, which was, you know, one of the all-time greats, not just for that derby particularly, but, you know, I think in terms of Bundesliga matches as well. Um, so we're looking forward to it. And, you know, as you and I were talking about this before, um, you know, we started recording, you know, maybe it's good to have a loss before the Dortmund game, you right. know, to kind of reset and maybe refocus. So uh, hopefully that doesn't shake our confidence or anything, but, you know, kind of serves us well. Uh, to get us in the right frame of mind going forward, we have a big couple matches coming up, so um, definitely looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Yeah, a lot a big couple matches in a couple days span, which is uh, never what you would like to see. But hey, that's the way the cards fell, so you got to take it as it is. Uh, but this game is gonna be important. I'm I'm, I'm with you. Um, the loss is probably gonna serve us better because the last thing I want to hear during Riviera Derby is that oh Schalke's on this uh, long winning streak, and then you know they choke, choke, you know, drop the shit to bed basically. And I want, I don't want that. Um, it's a good way to reset and uh, refocus before the big game. Um, so, uh, still on that note, I hope Dortmund loses tomorrow. But that's, that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> we hope Dortmund loses every week. Yeah, right. Uh, so, especially when we lose. <laughs> um, so, the first game was uh, was obviously at that point. I think Dortmund were what was the position when we first when we played them in november was it second we were in second and they were third or vice versa or i forget off the top of i head. forget but yeah the game obviously is an epic game is one one of the best refugee derbies you know ever uh Dorman jumped out to a four nothing lead looked like they were going to run away with it um kind of like byron ran away with it in dirt classicer anyway uh and then a halftime uh you know halftime but Dorman Dorman twitter tweets out the picture with the with a cup of tea yeah, saying, hey yeah. how's it going 
And then Shaka stormed back in the second half with four goals. And then Shaka, uh, Shaka Twitter posted out a little thing to counteract that. Uh, it was just a great game, but now everything's amped up even more uh, because now we got Champions League on the line. Yep. Uh, it's second versus third. The point gap could be one point. It could be four points coming to this one. Uh, so it's going to be very, very rack- ratcheted up even more so than the, the normal River Derby. Um, the teams are coming off of eh, – Chaka's on a better run, obviously, because they won six of the last seven games. Uh, but Dortmund, they're back. They're they're not they're no longer no longer struggling as they were before. Yeah, they got uh, they got trounced in the Der Klassiker, but other than that game, they've been playing really well, pretty pretty well. So, um, what are you expecting from this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be a great contest. These things usually are. Um, but yeah, hopefully Dortmund lose tomorrow uh, to Stuttgart because if they do, they're not going to be in a position to leapfrog us with a victory um, in that match. And that's something that we've talked about before is, uh, you know, it, there's enough pressure on, on both teams, especially Schalke as it is, um, you know, going into this fixture. Uh, I don't think we really need the added pressure of, you know, if we lose this thing, Dortmund's going to jump us. And then, you know, we, maybe we're, we're starting to slip in our, in our, in terms of a spot for champions league qualification. So hopefully that result comes through for us tomorrow. If not, Dortmund will be one point behind us going into that. And, uh, really everything's on the line. So um, in case you needed another reason to tune in, which you shouldn't, that would be it potentially. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's, you know, not not just for Bundesliga. It's it's one of the great fixtures, I think, in European football, um, you know, for any league. So, um, yeah, we'll see you there. Yeah, uh, if you want to, if you if if you have never seen this uh, derby before, shame on you. But uh, go I don't, I don't watch. know why you would be listening to our podcast if you've yeah. never seen this before. It'd be kind if of you're a Shaka fan, podcast. if you've never seen a River Derby, that's something uh, we got to talk to you about. Um, but Copa ninety, they had this great little piece on the on the Riviera Derby. Everyone should check out if they haven't already. Uh, it's, those guys do really good stuff, and uh, that's just part of it right there. That you know they go to all the best derbies in the world, and that shot the Shaka Derby, the Riviera Derby is uh, one of the best ones, definitely. Uh, so the question is for this one, you know, does Tedesco you know find a better way to start the game than he did in the first time they played this week this year? Um, they they came out terrible. Uh, sixes and sevens has been a complimentary to them uh, in that first game in the first half, giving up four goals and I mean they looked like they didn't belong. Just four goals in what first twenty five minutes or something crazy? Um, yeah, it was unreal. I mean I just remember I could I was shaking my head watching that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What's going on? They regrouped. So the key is how how is Sadesco going to start this one? Um, you think it's going to start out with the high press, or what, what do you think is a, what what's a, I mean? Royce is obviously going to be the big man there, and Badashwai has been playing really really well since joining them. Uh, are those the two guys you think you want to focus on focus in on uh, with that team? Well, I think uh, the Schalke Twitter account, the Bundesliga uh, the Bundesliga Twitter account, the Dortmund Twitter account, um, and basically everyone in the U.S. is going to be focusing on Pulisic and Weston McKinney. Um, probably because yeah. they, they, they promoted the hell out of those two guys going into it. Um, I think one of the interesting questions, and I'm probably just way overthinking this, is whether or not we see like Bentaleb and Weston McKinney in midfield as opposed to Meyer and Goretzka, who over the past couple of weeks have been pretty not great, to say the least. Um, that was very eloquently stated. Pretty not great. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, Bentaleb and McKinney seem to me to be right now the hungrier players, and, um, you know, I. They're so what's your, what, what, what's the lineup you want to see put out against uh, Dortmund? What, what Jack Mangan wants to see? No, not what you think Tedesco is going to do. But what, 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 as far as you know, the, the hungriness and everything, what do you want to see out there? DeSanto, false nine? No, I don't want to see DeSanto. <laughs> but I mean, 
I'll I'll say this though. I mean, Mbolo did nothing in this match today, and so I don't think it's necessarily bad to bring on somebody with the work rate of Desanto in a game like that when you're struggling to maintain possession and everything. Um, So I mean, I that was a substitution that didn't really bother me as much. Um, Yeah, ideally, I want somebody up top who scores more goals than Desanto, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, it's to be played something that's a little bit more traditional than what we played uh, this week. Because I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could be reading into it too much, but maybe that threw us off a little bit. you know, there's a number of lineups that we've used with more regularity than the one we, we employed against Hamburg today. So I, I guess I'd be going for something a little bit um, more typical. And I mean, if Goretzka doesn't start, I honestly wouldn't care because I don't think he's been good enough recently. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, especially with Goretzka. Uh, we didn't start him with against Bayern. I think he came off the bench, I believe, right at halftime. I think he came on. Um, so some of the bigger games he hasn't started, and Max Meyer has. The lineup I probably want to see, um, and and don't shoot me. Uh, obviously, Farman and Net and defense. I probably want Carrer, Naldo, and Nastasic if he can go. If he can, it's going to have to be Stambouli back there. Um, in the midfield, obviously, I want Daniel Caligiuri on the on the right. Uh, if Ochiko is, is game fit, I want to see him on the left because uh, he's that threat on the other side. Um, I guess I, I guess I want Meyer out there and McKinney maybe. You think there's a chance we see either kind of Plyanka or Piazza in the starting lineup? <sighs> it's possible. I mean, hey, I, I had, I've had every time I try to think what I know Tedesco's going to do, and he does something different. I'm like, okay. Here, here's one that. comment. I think kind of Plyanka would have suited today's game very well. Yes. Because he's the exact kind of direct player I think we needed for much of the first half and didn't have, and I was surprised that he didn't get subbed on. But um, he's also a little bit of a wild card too. Who knows? Fun fact: the uh, the Dortmund game will be the uh, the half season anniversary of me joining the podcast because that was my first appearance back in the fall. Was after oh, the uh, yeah. after the derby. So there you go. That's right. So uh, hopefully you bring bring us some more good luck for that. Even better, even more good luck. How about that? Yeah, I expect a cake <laughs> or a card or something. Who knows? So, all you fans, you better send him. He'll see, he'll send you the address, and you just send him stuff. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna send you my address. Yeah, I'll do it here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's that's a very good fun fact. That's true. Wow, it's uh, the season's coming along halfway. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, no, I agree with you about Konopanaka. He could be the wild card. Piazza. Uh, also, I like to see both of them if they don't start. To come on the game because they they have the, the the potential there to to cause some havoc to to the uh, opposition. Um, I kind of want to see though a front three of of De Santo in the false nine just because of the work rate he's been doing and uh, how he's played against. He looked pretty good in those uh, not just the Byron game but the games after. Uh, while he wasn't scoring, he was putting a lot of pressure, a lot of work rate, which we kind of need, especially after that last game, which everyone was piss poor on. Um, and then I'm going to give Mbolo another shot. With Bergstaller, maybe a Konoplyanka instead of Imbolo. Um, either way, I want to see Imbolo in the game at some point just because his speed could prove uh, valuable because Dorman are a very, very fast team. Um, and at times, we don't look very fast at all. Uh, so, I mean, I would, I'd love to see Goretzka play, but you know, he's, he's just as much a wild card as, as Konoplyanka is at this point. Um, at least Konoplyanka, you know what you're getting. You're going to get a passionate uh, aggression towards the net. Trying to get opportunities, Goretzka sometimes is so aloof. And you're like, what, "What are you doing, dude?" Uh, but I definitely want McKinney because I think he'll be itching to outdo his American teammate uh, on the other side. So um, I think he has a lot more hunger. <laughs> I think the Bundesliga is going to force both coaches to start Polasek and McKinney, probably just for the uh, yeah, right the uh, the marketing aspect of that. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be a fun storyline from the American perspective, obviously. 
Uh, so it's going to be uh, – you want to make a prediction on this one? Do you have a prediction or – 4-4. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, God. <laughs> it's too much. Oh, man. I don't know. Um, it's at home, but that, that doesn't mean anything, obviously. I'm going to go – I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I'm going to go for a draw. Go for a 2-2 two, two draw. Oh, man. Uh, it's it's Everything is leading towards a draw, and a draw would be a good result f- overall for both teams, really. Mo- oh, mostly us because yeah. uh, we, we wouldn't get past. Um, man. It's a tough call. Usually, when I can't decide, it's going to be. I'm thinking draw. Then I'm going to go. Ideally, I would like three goals to be scored by Schalke in the opening half hour or so, and then we can sell a bunch of our good players off and rest them for the uh, the match midweek against Eintracht Frankfurt. But ideally, yes, absolutely. Um, hopefully, we can at least get a lead, like a two one lead, and hold that, and don't have to bring in many subs, and at least those guys can go in, in the in the midweek game. But uh yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna say let me let me stop beating around the bush here. Let's go with three uh, two Shaka. <laughs> All right then, we'll see. Uh, so we're, we're predicting a lot me. of goals. That's what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Hamburg can score uh, three goals, uh, oh, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, let's forget that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, that's, that'll wrap it up on this one. Um, next time we speak, uh, we will be after the Dortmund game. Uh, you'll hear the podcast uh, from the Yellow Wall Pod that I'm on sometime next week. Before I'll probably say Wednesday or Thursday, and then uh, uh, obviously we're going to be coming for you guys next weekend after the game. And uh, yeah, stay tuned to see who our guest is on that one because uh, it'll definitely be a fun podcast. Win, lose, or draw. Um, it'll certainly be fun for us and hopefully for you guys listening in. So, um, let's wrap it up there, Jack. What do you think? Sounds good. Looking forward to the Dorman game. Absolutely. All right, folks, keep tuning in each week and especially next week as we'll bring you the latest with the Royal Blues, uh, hopefully a Riviera Derby win. Uh, we want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, or if uh, any commentary on the players we hate or love, uh, please tweet us at so4 underscore podcast. Jack, uh, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan on Twitter, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Very good. Anything uh, coming up in, uh, uh, you got going on, any gigs, anything like that? Gigs? Uh... I mean, unless anybody lives in Chicago, I think that's kind of irrelevant. But we're playing the uh, my band is playing the Cubby Bear in Wrigleyville in June after a Cubs game, so that should be a, that should be a good time. Looking forward to that. Very good, Jack the Rockstar. Love it. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at r underscore k h a r m a n. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Hopefully, with a win. Shoes. Mm-hmm.